Hello and welcome to a Reader's Book Corner. I'm your host, Teresa Beasley, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to an author that I've read like so many of her books, and I'm so excited she's here to talk with us today. Um, Arthur, the talented Shelly Ellis. How are you, Shelly? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, wonderful to have you here. Um, so as you know, I've been reading your books for a long time, and you have a variety that we can talk about. But before we get into the books, can you share a little bit about yourself and what drew you to writing? Um, well, I've always been a writer. I say even when I was a little kid um, and I was drawing in my composition notebook, I was usually scribbling little descriptions or stories in the margin about the people I, I was drawing. Um, and then from there, as I got older, I, I both of my parents are avid readers. My mom's been a big romance reader since I was younger. My dad has always been a fan of like sci-fi, horror, comic books. So books have been a large part of my childhood as well. So as I got older and the more I read, and the longer my stories were getting, I kind of like flirted with the idea of becoming a writer, but I didn't think like anyone would take it seriously. Um, I, I tried short stories. I tried half-heartedly to do some chapters of a novel and I gave it to my mother to read. And I would say she was my first beta reader. And she was she said like show this is real good i'm like this is this is as good as some of the books that i i read and so um from that point one and about college i say i became a professional as in was getting paid for fiction writing when i entered a first time writers contest um i did it when i was 19 and I submitted a story. I did not expect to hear back. I did not expect it to go anywhere. And they said that I was one of the finalists and they wanted to publish my story. And from that point on, I was like, oh, I can do this. This can be <laughs> a, like something, a professional career. This isn't just something that I do when I'm bored and I, I'm just imagining. I can actually get paid for imagining stuff and writing about it. <laughs> So from that point on, I was, I decided like, okay, I want to be a fiction writer. Wonderful. And I'm glad you decided to do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you mainly write women's fiction. Um, mm -hmm. What made you tradition into transition into writing a thriller book? Okay. Well, I started in women's fiction, well, particularly I started in romance because that's what I knew. That mm -hmm. was the formula that I was most familiar with and people who read romances, by and large, they have a very similar structure. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was the easiest path of entry for me as a writer. So I wrote romances first and then I had an editor uh, Mercedes Fernandez at Kensington, who was seeing some fluctuations in the African-American romance market. So to continue to keep some of her authors viable, me being one of them, see, she suggested that I write more soapy 
romances where it had more of a soap opera element um and if people are have seen soaps you know it does have a large romance factor it does talk a lot about romantic relationships but also Mm -hmm. talks about family drama there may be thriller elements there may be mystery so i started to incorporate that more and more into the stories and the readers seem to respond they really responded to what would have been a subplot in a romance was now one of the major features. Like when I had uh, the Shelley Ellis Chesterton scandal series, yeah. it, one of the big plots was who shot one of the major characters. And so the story unfolds and we find out that all these plot lines, did this person do it? Did this person do it? And so for me, that part was really exciting um, I was I had a lot of fun with it. And I I had written romance so long and read it f- for so long that it in all honesty wasn't as fun for me anymore. So I always say for writers that if it's not working, don't force it. Um, some people know that this is a genre that they want to stick with for the rest of their life, that mm-hmm. this is what they know, this is what they love. For me, I've always been a fan of experimentation. I read all types of different things and I try to do that in my writing as well. So when I started to see those subplots that had that mystery thriller element get more attention, I said, I want to do a story that's just entirely thriller and I want to see if I can pull it off. And I did it first. Um, as Shelley Ellis when I did the three Mrs. Grades that would be I would say my first legitimate domestic thriller where the thriller element was more important than all the romance and all that yeah after that I was (laughs) (laughs) yes and we're going to get into those in just here in a little bit um Mm -hmm. now you've mainly been traditionally published but you do have Mm -hmm. some books that you've actually published yourself, sort of like mm-hmm. a hybrid author. So do, mm-hmm. you continue, do you plan to continue to do that, you know, still be traditionally and still publish some books yourself? Or are you just going to strictly stay with the traditional way? I think for now, I'll just do traditional. I did try to do self-publishing or some people say independent Indie publishing. publishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for me, I will say definitely independent publishing is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it requires putting a, a lot of different hats, wearing a lot of different hats. And not and that is not to say as a, as a traditionally published author, you don't have to do self-promotion that you don't Uh have to that you don't get input in different parts of like uh the cover because I do give feedback to my editor at my publishing house but when I was self-publishing everything was on me um and I have I admit what I'm good at and I'm not (laughs) (laughs) and I will say at my core I am a writer I am not a self-promoter and so for me it was it was hard trying to I'm like and I know there are so many amazing writers out there especially self-published that unfortunately just don't get the sales because there's so much on the market there are so many 
um, books that come out literally every day and you're trying to get that attention. And for me, it helps to have the backing of a publishing house because they can get you in the bookstores. They can get you like my latest book of Barnes and Noble, a table towards the front that literally as people walking through the door say, hey, look over here or a book by the cash register. It's really hard to do that and almost yes. impossible as, as a self-published author. So for me, I'm like, I will focus my efforts as much as I can on my writing craft, on um, building relationships with other mm -hmm. authors, because I do, I have relationships with traditionally published, but I also like talk to indies too, because I think that those type of interactions are important. And um, yeah, I, I know what I'm good at in, in <laughs> publishing. It, it just took a lot out of me that I will, I will say that was the most exhausting period of time when I decided to do both. And I said, I cannot, I can't run on this treadmill um, for, for very long. I did it for two years and I said, all right, that's it. I'm, done. I'm jumping off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is hard as an indie publisher to get a table like in a Barnes and Noble. Yeah, um, I've only known two, yeah, two indie authors that actually have done that, and that was after them having a book signing at the Barnes and Noble. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty hard as an indie to get that much uh, foot traffic. Um, yeah. So you you read you write a lot of series. Um, mm -hmm. but you've had a couple of standalone books. Do you prefer mm -hmm. to write in series or? I will say it's, it's, it depends. So for me, I, I love series because they're, especially if I'm focusing on a family or a group of friends, it mm -hmm. gives everyone a chance to get their own spotlight. And in all honesty, if I could be frank, um, <laughs> it, it, Sometimes in publishing, some books get more promotion than others. Mm -hmm. And where I was as Shelly Ellis, a lot of trying to cultivate a reader base was kind of put on my shoulders. So mm -hmm. I saw that with series, it's a great way to um, endear readers to characters or your writing style. Because if they loved the character in the first book, but you introduce their brother or their friend, they're like, oh, what happened to that character? Well, here's a story about that character as well. So it helped keep me afloat because people seem to want to find out more or they're like, I want to find out about your next series and see those group of characters and see what happens to them. So it was it was a two part with that. Standalones, yeah. I think, could be great too if I feel this is the story and this is all I need to tell. Um, I'll do that, but I do think some ideas that I'm like, there's no way that I can fit this all in one book, and I feel other characters have potential to tell their own story. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because some standalones is like you tell that story and then that's the end of it. There's nothing mm -hmm. more to go on. But then with no. series, you can kind of intertwine the characters. Absolutely. Tell. Yeah, because you can feature the characters that are going to be in book two and three. You can feature them in book one and then, 
you know, as a reader, mm-hmm. you say, oh, she introduced this person. I wonder if that person's going to get a, a book of their own. Exactly. And make sure you look for the other books in the series. Yeah. 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 So I, it was a great way because people, I laughed too, because people hated my cliffhangers. And I'm like, you hate the cliffhangers, but some of those people would come back and they would say, I'm not reading the next book. Like, <laughs> you better end it here because I'm not coming back for the next book. And then they would come back anyway. And yeah. I'm like, so that it's a way of, it wasn't trying to be mean or anything, but it was like, I think there's more story here. And I really want you to keep reading, keep reading. because- <laughs> Yeah, because I'm like, <laughs> the whole point is for you to continue to read my books. So right. <laughs> if I if I ended on a cliffhanger, it's not to be mean or manipulative. It's really because I think that there's only but so much I can fit in 380 pages. So True. yeah, <laughs> I come back for the next installment and I'll tell you more. Yes, I like cliffhangers, especially... <laughs> especially- if the cliffhangers are going somewhere and I know yeah. there's going to be an answer to that cliffhanger in the next book, I like the cliffhangers. I know a lot of people don't, but I enjoy yeah. cliffhangers because yeah. I know, okay, I'm going to have to get the next book so I can find out why this person did this or why it ended this way. So yeah. I I think the cliffhangers are good. I mean, some people and, do them and, very well. Yeah, and I was like, because of the model of TV watching I would say streaming for a while kind of took that away because you could you could basically binge entire series in one yes. sitting. But I noticed that the streamers are even moving away from that now. They're going back to the old TV format of leaving the episode on a cliffhanger, come yes. back next week, and you'll find out the rest. So I'm like, rest. you guys are used to this model. You just get mad that you have to wait a whole wait. year instead yeah, of a whole yeah. a week. Yeah, but I'm, I was like, <laughs> unfortunately, like I said, there's only about so much I can fit in 380 pages. So, so you got to just wait. <laughs> exactly. The story continues. Yeah. But as the average reader, you know, we do get a little impatient. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to it. wanting to know what's going on, we do get a little no, impatient. <laughs> I completely get it. And, and I will say the plus side of being an indie is that you can control your production schedule. For yeah. me, it was always frustrating because if I knew a book wasn't going to come out for a year and a half, and I'm like, oh God, I ended it on a cliffhanger and you guys put me a year and a half out on the production schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if people are going to come back to find out right. what happens next. They're just mad at this point. <laughs> so, but I was like, that's the perk that at least when you do cliffhangers with indies, that they know, mm-hmm. okay, this person is going to make an effort to try to give me a book in a reasonable amount of time. Amount of so time. I'm not waiting for waiting <laughs> forever. Yeah. Right. So now your latest release was um, Not So Perfect Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about that release and the inspiration behind it? Sure. Um, Not So Perfect Strangers is about, it's based in Washington, D.C. And it's about two women and not so happy marriages. One is um, Tasha and she's in an abusive relationship with her husband and she is trying to leave him. She has packed her things. She has taken her teenage son. They're staying at a hotel and they are going to take a flight 
and disappear um, out of his life and start anew until she realizes that her son has gone back home because he says he just can't leave. He doesn't want to leave his life behind. She runs into the other woman, Madison, who is suspecting her husband is having an affair. Um, and she's at the same hotel that uh, Tasha thought would be her great escape. And uh, Madison is running away from her husband because they've had a fight and she hops into her car. The two women talk and Madison eventually says to Tasha, I think we can help each other. Mm-hmm. And the proposition that she makes is not one that Tasha anticipated. Um and the story goes from there. It goes the, from there. <laughs> <laughs> the inspiration is um, uh, the film um, Strangers on a Train, which is based on the novel. I have to say that because people say, oh, the novel first before. Like, <laughs> yes, I know. I'm aware. Um, with By Patricia Highsmith about two strangers who meet on a train and basically commiserate in that case it's two men and they're commiserating about their horrible lives and that one suggests you know we could really help each other if we get rid of the people in our life who are causing this much pain and one like he's like I can take care of your person you can take care of mine and all be perfect because it'll be the perfect alibi because we have no relationship to these people. And the other guy was like, okay, he's joking. He's drunk. He's obviously not serious. And it, it, he was wrong. So I love the inspiration of the idea of just meeting just the a most random, crazy person yes. at your, at your low point and how it spirals and it, to me, it also, I wanted to tackle the topic of, cause some people are like, do you notice like in Gone Girl movies, it's never a black protagonist because it's very few times it would be believable that a black person could just go on a revenge spree and not get caught or not be held accountable (laughs) for it. And so I like the idea of putting a black woman in this situation and she basically has a Gone Girl who's trying to say like you can do the same thing we can do it together and she's like no i don't think it's gonna work for me um if you could just leave me alone and stop and get out of my life i'd appreciate it and the woman doesn't listen no (laughs) she does not no no so i i thought it was interesting premise i had to do some spins and changes on the original because i'm like i don't I don't want everyone to know the plot. It was like, well, yeah, so now I know what's happening. Actually, you don't. So, no. no. So, yeah. it's twists and turns towards the end that I I hope most readers liked. Um, I will say um, it, it, it did exponentially better than any of my Shelley Ellis's books. Um, did but, it? Yes. Oh, wow several yeah. times over several really? times over i, I was actually ellis books oh. and, and and that's that was for me sometimes the most frustrating thing about it is that with shelly ellis i i felt like i learned a lot as a writer um uh i got more confident as a writer i loved my characters i loved my stories but the reach of it was very small 
compared to oh, okay. most mainstream writing. Writing. And oh. yeah. And and so for me, I try to still pull in elements of Shelley Ellis, like the drama and mm-hmm. the family. And I, I, I tried really hard when I was writing under that to like introduce relationships between women, the relationships between family characters, because yeah. I, I believe in the plot, but I also think it should be grounded in some level of emotion. Right. Um, yeah. Because for me, I'm kind of like, well, that's great. All of this is happening, but I don't know who these people are. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not that invested because it's all these thrills and spills but who are these people um and so for me I tried to carry it over um that like I'm writing under now Ellis Stratton um mm-hmm. that same element and so far it's been going well um I, I was actually kind of surprised because I was like wow this is a I, I never saw this type of interest yeah. As Shelly Ellis, that I saw well, with this. This new book was, I mean, it was really good because I read mm-hmm. it in like one setting. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> oh, she should have never got in this girl's car. Why she let her yeah. in her car? Yeah. Because and, it just kept going down. I know. Hair. And that's what people are like, she made all these bad decisions. I was like, well, she didn't oh. know they were a bad decision. No, that she is. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that when Madison came into her life, I was like, okay, this is not going to go very well. No. <laughs> and, and I, I like, kept reading. I was like, yeah. oh, man, this is really not going. And it's so funny to me because I was like, as a reader, I'm giving hints to you to tell you, like, there's something wrong with this. Like, there's something yes. wrong with this woman. There's This is all. And... People are saying, like, why can't she see? I was like, because she can't see because she doesn't have the narrator talking. The right. Way yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Tasha didn't understand what was going on, but I'm like, okay, no. Madison is not good for you. You need no. to break ties with this chick. There is yeah. something wrong with this. And I'm like, why isn't, why isn't Tasha listening to me? I know. <laughs> it's so funny because more than one person is like, God, she just, she was frustrating. And I was like, and to me, yes. that's the best part. When I can make you frustrated as a reader, when you're just shouting at the book, like, how stupid can you be? That is the point. That is the point. Because my husband was like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I'm talking (laughs) to her in this darn book because she's not listening to me. (laughs) He was like, oh, you're talking about one of your books. I was like, yes, I cannot believe she's not listening to me no and, and so for me like i said that that's the best part when people are just shouting at the book and getting frustrated and later they'll tell you like i don't understand why she was so stupid and i'm like well she wasn't getting the hints that you were getting yeah <laughs> yeah i was like oh man she done got herself into some stuff now um yep but um that was your latest book and right before that mm-hmm. you did the the three mrs gray series Yes. Um, which was basically like a duology mm-hmm. um, with that. Now, that was like really different than what you did with the Branch Avenue Boys, which I really liked your Branch yes. Avenue Boys series. Um, because it I was, think, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. to be honest, that's to be honest, out of all my Shelly Ellis books, that was that was my favorite series. The Branch thing, Avenue yes, Boys. Yes, I, I really, I really liked that series. For one, it was like a the main characters were males, mm-hmm. but 
there was like a, a mindset thing. What was your mindset when you were writing this particular series? I mean, was it, was it hard to be in each one of the guys' headspace? I mean, how did you go by processing like writing so, that series? I will say basically this was my little love letter to all the the guys in my childhood, the neighborhood boys, the boys I went to school with, how they would talk. Because I was the girl who was always the one girl hanging around the board. <laughs> I was like, I didn't talk the way they talked. I just thought they were fascinating. I thought they were hilarious. <laughs> and just how irreverent they were with each other and all the mess talking and the back and forth and the challenging. And they would crack me up. So keeping in their heads and every now and then I would turn to my husband and say, would a man say this? <laughs> would a man do this? And trying to keep in their thought patterns. And it was so funny because that was the period as I was writing, I was listening to a lot of hip hop music. <laughs> oh, I was okay. trying to, yeah, I was trying to get in their heads yeah, and, right. and keep the voice right. And for me, it was just so fun to write about them because, like I said, their interactions with each other uh -huh. are not the way women would normally interact with each other. Yes, and I think so, that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, <laughs> and it was so funny because I was worried that Black men would read it and be like, "What? Is what is this? But <laughs> the response that I got from most of them that were like, oh, it, was, it was spot on. Like, I didn't really have any... Like, they were like talk about some characters is like why would he why do he do that and, and even how they would talk because uh -huh. I had a, a book club of men based in Tennessee that had read the series and they oh. would talk to each other about it and I would be on the call and I'd be laughing at them how they would go back and forth <laughs> about the plot and about the characters and said like oh uh, man he would fall in love with a lamp post man like he's like <laughs> and they're they're, <laughs> they're cracking me up because i was like and that was what i tried to get with these guys and each of the guys as i wrote them i i was falling in love with them each of the guys because i was like i could see them on their insides, I can mm -hmm. see them evolving as people, yes. becoming more mature men, and the men that they really wanted to be. And they had to go through a lot to get to that point. Yes, they did. Yeah, I, all, I think all that's why my favorite—it's my favorite series of um, your Shelley Ellis books. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I that I was really proud of the final product with that one. I was like, oh, I was so scared because, like I said, I was worried the black man would read it and be like, no. No, what is no. this? Yeah. yeah, that was a really good series. Now yeah. your, now was your McLean sister series with that? Was that like your independent published series? Yes, that's the one that's yeah, that, around the dance school. Yeah, that was the one that I had pitched it to my publisher Kensington, and they were like, "Well, I mean, it seems like more like a YA series. Like, I don't understand why." It would be set in a, uh, for women, adult women, because basically to just give a background for whoever's listening, that the McLean series about uh, three women who all attended the same like performance academy, the P McLean Performance Academy. Mm -hmm. 
and they go their separate ways. One, Bina stays because her mother is the founder. Um, another, um, Monique, uses the skills that she learned to become famous, and she's a famous singer. And then there's um, Jen or Jennifer, who started off as a professional dancer and basically fell on hard luck and is now a exotic dancer. And the founder um, is ill. She has cancer and she, she, and she's dealing with everything that she's losing students, that she's dealing with gentrification, that their neighborhood is changing around them. And she wants basically her girls, the McLean girls, the ones she started with when she first made the dance school, come back and try to invigorate the performance academy and continue it on for the next generation. And so I gave each woman her story. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good idea, but like I said, my publisher passed. We tried to pitch it to another publisher, but... Yeah, but I I didn't really like the deal they were offering, so I said I'll just put it on. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I was happy with the final product. It was actually a sister series to the Branch Avenue Boys because one of the characters I I had tried to have at least one character from the Branch Avenue Boys appear in one of the McLean series books, so. Um, Ricky owns the strip club mm -hmm. and so we get to see him in Jen's story and Derek is the boyfriend of Bina's best friend and so he appears in that book as well and, and actually okay. Bina appears in one of the Branch Avenue Boys books Okay, that's I why it was so when, familiar. Yeah, that's I always love it when authors do that, that they interweave yeah. characters in between series. So that yeah. was that was another fun one. And, mm -hmm. and all of them, if people notice, consistently I set it in the Washington, D.C. era area yeah. mm -hmm. or I set it in Washington, D.C. specifically. And those two series were set in the city. In the city, I yeah. Made, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, before we wrap up, um, mm -hmm. can you tell listeners where they connect with can connect with you and your books? Sure. Um, I have my website, Shelly Ellis Books, and I you can email me from there. I'm also always on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm under at Ellis Romance. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, I try to post not as frequently as I do on Twitter, but people send me DMs all the time or they'll send me <laughs> pictures with the book and I'll give them a thumbs up or a like. And sometimes I'll even write a note saying, thank you, I loved it. Uh, or love that you love the book um, on Instagram. And you can see me there under Shelly Stratton Books. Okay. Um, now... Another thing I like to ask people is most writers were avid readers. So can you share a title of the latest book you read? Um, the latest book I read was actually an indie romance. Um, it's by a author friend, um, D.L. White, Elysium. It was a really good book. It was a mature romance um, about two people who have basically been 
um, corresponding or over video. And now they have butterflies because they're meeting in person for the first oh, time. Okay. And But they're older people. They've had divorces. They have grown children that are in their business. They've got jobs and everything. So you see all that happen as they're like, can we make this work? Like we've been talking to each other from across the country for over a year. Can we finally make it work in person? So it was a sweet story. I liked it. Oh. And it was it was steam too. I will say that. <laughs> the steam was off the chart. The steam so was off like the a, chart. <laughs> exactly. If you like a steamy romance, that was that was it. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Shelly, for joining me today um, to talk about your books and your career. I really appreciated you joining me today. And listeners, I would like to also thank you for tuning in to this episode. And remember, if you would like to suggest an indie book or a hybrid Arthur or an indie Arthur to be featured on the podcast, feel free to contact me at ArthurTABeasley at gmail.com. And you can connect with a Reader's Book Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at a Reader's BC. Until next time, happy reading. Mm-hmm.